Hey, this is Chad Beach, and you're listening to the Creative Sheep Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogan. I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I'm joined with none other than my good friend, Roman Johnson, who was just dancing. Jared, I'm going to one-up you. You said you're so excited. I'm I'm so, so excited to be here. I see what you did there. Yeah. I wish I had an applause track for when I introduced you. If there was like cheering that took place, like, ah. You know what? Let's write. I'm writing it down right now in my phone. I, I'm looking right at you. You're not writing anything. <laughs> We're going to get that for the podcast. Nor do you have a phone in your hand. Uh, nonetheless, we'd love to see some applause uh, when you get introduced. But Rowan, how, how the heck are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you for asking. It's this beautiful spring day outside here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is just gorgeous. You just got done walking around a pond. It's true. Uh, Had a meeting around a pond. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. But I, I'm I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm excited about this podcast today. As am I, folks. This is episode 27. That 27? means there are 26 episodes that precede this one. Jared, I've got a question. How? What are some episodes that we've had in the remaining 20, 0 through 26? Who are some people we've had on the show? <laughs> that was a really interesting way of framing that. Man, we've had some phenomenal interviews, Roman. Uh, Lee Cockrell's been on the show, and believe it or not, he's actually coming back. For a he sophomore. Is, he is. First repeat guest on the show. Yeah. Uh, Whit George has been on. Tom Mullins. Frank Beeler. You got Shannon O'Dell. Was Shannon on the O'Dell. Podcast. Michael E. Gerber, the author of E Myth. One of which that's hailed as one of the best, the, the top business books of all time. Mm-hmm. He was episode number like two or three? Maybe three. Yeah. Three or four. Something Great like interview. That. Uh, yeah, just we've had some amazing guests. God, God has just blown our minds, I think, with yeah. how good this this podcast has gone. And and, and a lot of that goes out to you guys, the, the listeners. Uh, the, the fact that you guys keep listening, keep subscribing and reviewing the podcast. Uh, means a ton to us, and and we're going to keep doing this as long as you guys will listen. So, That's right. Uh, thanks to you all. And, and while you're at it, if you're not already subscribed, uh, if you would, go ahead and do so. Jump over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this and subscribe. Leave a review. I hear that those reviews help us get in front of other leaders like yourself. And one thing we know is that leaders are never selfish. They yeah. want to help others get better as well. As, as, as Craig Rochelle puts on his podcast, which is awesome if you haven't listened to it. You should When be. the leader gets better, everything gets better. Everything gets better. That's absolutely right, Roman. Well, like I said, hey, this is episode 27. Uh, today we are joined with Chad Veach. Hello. Uh, pastor of Senior pastor of Zoe Church out in Los Angeles. Uh, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But before we do, we have to do today's shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shameless shameless plug. Shameless shameless plug. Roman. Yes, Jared. Mother's Day is right around the corner. Is it? It is, and it feels like it's a little bit early this year, but be not dismayed. Okay, I won't be dismayed. CreativeSheep.org's got you covered. Tell me what I can find on CreativeSheep.org, If you head over to CreativeSheep.org, you're going to find several pieces that we've already created. We've got some content pieces for you there, honoring mom, of course, with the Creative Sheep flair. That's right. Some humor thrown in there. We've also got some uh, some countdowns that work really well on, on Mother's Day that get the crowd involved and even show mom some appreciation, show her some love, even before anyone hits the stage. We got an interactive countdown and Steve the Screen. They're great. Check them out. Definitely want to check both those out. And then as far as our content pieces go, we've got a sketch comedy called Show Her Your Good Side. Uh, and then we've also got uh, another piece called A Poem About Moms. That's right. Uh, and spoiler alert. It's a it's a poem about moms. It is a poem about moms that ends with mom being thrown up on. Oh, that's where you're going. It's quite gross. And we're working on a brand new piece that will release this year, 2016. So head over to creativesheep.org to check out all of our great content 
for Mother's Day. And that is today's Shameless Plug. Shameless Plug. Shameless plug. Folks, on episode 27 today, we've got a phenomenal interview for you with Chad Veach. Chad is the senior pastor of Zoe Church in Los Angeles, California. Chad and his wife, Julia, have three beautiful children, Georgia Estelle, Winston Charles, and Maverick Montgomery. And today we're talking about Chad's most recent book, Unreasonable Hope. Uh, It's just a phenomenal book. Uh, The tagline on this is Finding Faith in the God Who Brings Purpose to Your Pain. And Chad is, is talking about his, his journey, his, his story through uh, a diagnosis that their little daughter received uh, shortly after she was born. It's gut-wrenching, the book. I would encourage you to go pick it up. But I'm not going to give away too much of that. Let's get to today's interview with Chad Veach. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I sure appreciate it. Well, it's, it's an honor to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's get a, a little bit of backstory on you. I know most of our listeners out there already know who Chad Veach is, but where'd you grow up uh, in in the in this great country in which we live? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm originally from the Pacific Northwest. I grew up in the Seattle area, so uh, go Seahawks. <laughs> Oh, it's awesome. Uh, so, so okay. So, born and and what at what point uh, in your life did you say I'm following Jesus? Yeah, well, I was about 16 years old. You know, I grew up in a pastor's home and pastor's kid life, and but you know, uh, about 16 years old, I had a real encounter, a real experience that just changed my life, and I think that was around the age I just said, you know what, I'm um, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to follow. Very cool. Was it? Was there any kind of struggle for you growing up as a pastor's kid? Yeah, I, you know, I think there's a struggle for for any kid. Everybody that's growing up. I don't think pastors' kids are any any um, worse or better. You know, I I think uh, for me, I had such a loving you know home and loving parents and great upbringing, and you know, just like anybody else, just growing up in church, you know, needing to make it my own, and I had always loved the Lord and kind of just wrestled with, you know, do I really want to do this all the way? It was kind of kind of halfway up to this point. But um but as far as struggle goes, I, I, I didn't find it to be like a big, you know, I hate God, I don't want to follow God. I always, you know, love the Lord. I just was, you know, not really ready to all the way commit my plan and my dream to to God's dream. Very cool. I really appreciate how you how you put that. Now with that, then, not to totally derail the conversation, but was there anything you can look back on that you see that your dad did? Because not only are you a pastor's kid, but you're a pastor yourself now. Is there anything that he did specifically that kept you close? That Because, I mean, we hear the stories all the time of uh, pastor's kids growing up and kind of going crazy or hating the church and hating God, but clearly it was the opposite for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that my parents just lived a life that was, um, attractive, you know, the way that they, they had friends and the joy and the peace in their home and the way they loved each other. I just thought, you know, mom and dad got it, got it made. I never knew where their financial, um, reports were at or, you know, what the bank account looked like. It just, they had had a lot of joy and and that was the home I grew up in. That was the impression that was made on me. Man, that's awesome. Uh, so when you, at 16, you gave your life to Jesus, uh, was it right then that you decided I'm doing full-time ministry is the course for me? Yeah. You know, I really felt like at at that point it was God saying like, this is what you're going to do with your life. You're going to, you're going to serve, serve me and serve people. And, 
And um, I've called you to, to great things for my kingdom. I, I, I felt all that at a young age. I think I'd all, all, always knew that. My dad used to tell me, you're either going to sell cars or you're going to sell Jesus. Which one are you going to sell? <laughs> and so I always knew that that was kind of, you know, the, the path. And maybe that was a little bit of the not being ready for it. Cause I, I, I felt at a young age, whatever God's called me to do is, is significant. And, and so it's going to take a real serious commitment to it. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, when you told, when you told your parents that you were going to go into full-time ministry, were they pretty supportive of your decision? Yeah. You know, but that was never a, a pressure. I never felt like dad was going like, Ooh, I'm, I'm hoping my boy goes into the family business. I, I never <laughs> felt like that. So when I told them, I think that they had already known that that's what I was supposed to do. They just hadn't vocalized it and made it a real, um, you know, pressurizing situation. Man, it, it kind of sounds like that ties back to the whole, I mean, you growing up and not going crazy is he never put that pressure on you to follow, as you said, in the family business. That, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now did you, once you, okay, so 16, give your life to Jesus. You decide along the path there, you're going to full-time ministry is the route for you. Um, did you jump straight into senior leadership or was there a few steps before that? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I moved to LA the first time in 1998 to go to Bible college. I went to Bible college for four years. And while I was in Bible college at age 19, I took a youth pastor position had a church in East LA and would end up being there for five and a half years. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. Wow. So, um, you know, really loved working with young people. And that was, that was where, you know, we got to have a lot of fun for a long time. No doubt. No doubt. So at what point in the journey did you, uh, meet your lovely wife? So my, my wife, her dad and my dad got saved together in college. They got called to ministry together. They got filled with spirit together. Our parents got married on the same day, same year, same hour. We've grown up our whole life together. But the thing was, I didn't see my wife for seven straight years because our families only got together at Thanksgiving. I was living in LA and was gone traveling. And so I didn't see Julia for seven years. When I got back, from seven years of being gone and came to Thanksgiving with her family, I looked across the Thanksgiving table. I said, wow, this girl has grown up. <laughs> Man, that's very cool. So so then, of course, the rest is history. You get married. Uh, you start having children. And uh, and then really, I mean, that that's essentially what this whole conversation is centered around today is uh, you had your, your first daughter, Georgia, um, and... And then kind of it, it could almost be described as like the wheels fell off. Yeah, that's that's a way to say it. I mean, um, yeah, we, we our firstborn, we were we were um, we were really shocked at four months when she got her diagnosis. And, um, yeah, it was a real turning point in our life, a, a defining moment, to say the least. So and from there, you know, our lives have never been the same, but it's been a. Um, it's been a faith journey. It's been a faith adventure and, um, and we wouldn't trade it for the world. So she was diagnosed at four months old and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce what it was that she was diagnosed with. How do you, how do you pronounce that? Yeah. In simple terms, it's called smooth brain, but in medical terms, it's called listencephaly. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
And so what, what exactly did that mean for her at four months old, having a smooth brain? And I know they've described it as this rare brain formation. What does that, what does that mean? What are the side effects of it? Yeah, so basically, essentially what it means is that, you know, she doesn't have a functioning um, brain. Her brain just didn't form for whatever reason. You know, all of our brains have folds and ridges throughout them. Hers is just smooth. So that affects every developmental issue that, you know, you can imagine from walking, talking, crawling, swallowing, chewing, eye contact, all of it, communicating. So it just didn't form. So, you know, with that comes a lot of complications and a lot of seizures and spasms. And it really, you know, is a, um, it's a life-altering, unfortunate rare brain condition uh, but we've seen God be so faithful to her faithful to our family and we've seen her you know do much better than the doctors ever thought that she would do yeah man just just reading your book and I, I was telling you this just a little bit before we got started it, this it puts things into such perspective I have two kids myself my wife just gave birth to our second two weeks ago and we were, even just last night, my daughter woke up in the middle of the night, uh, my two-year-old, and she was crying, which is not like her, and she she was trying to get out of her room to go to the bathroom, and she ended up peeing on the floor. And I think normally, you know, in the middle of the night, you're you're already out of it, and for something like that to happen, it can be very frustrating, but honestly, just reading over your book the past few days, it was just like, man, this is not a big deal at all. Uh, the, it br- brings such a fresh perspective to, to parenting and just like, man, the things that seem like a big deal are not a big deal. Um, so, right. So nonetheless, though, so she's diagnosed with this. What year was she born? Was, she, was it 2010? Um, 2011. Okay, 2011. Um, so now uh, five years five years into this, uh, still, still, still dealing with this, I, I presume? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing about certain certain things that happen in your life, right? It's like, you know, some some people have to deal with the with the tragedy of an accident that, you know, causes death and 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 you know, you got to mourn and grieve. I think sometimes in life you got to face things that are in front of you every day mm. and they don't go away. And that that's been kind of the faith journey that we've been on is that, you know, what do you do when when your situation's right in front of you when your situation doesn't improve but actually gets worse? Mm. And I think that's um, that's why hope is so essential is because when, when you go through the monotony of life and the routine of every day with, with such tragedy, if you don't have hope and confident expectation for the future, you can get swallowed whole by your circumstances today. Man, that's really good. Uh, just through this journey, have you, have you been tempted to play the blame game, whether on yourself or towards God or... Really you know, I can honestly say, I'm not just saying this, I, I've never felt, you know, the blame game temptation only because I just think uh, my belief is that we live in a fallen a fallen universe, you know, we, we, we have, uh, where we live, there's sin, there's sickness, mm. that's part of the whole thing, and um, I, I just think, you know, sickness is not from God, God didn't make my daughter sick, he wasn't holding his arms in heaven going, let's see how you can handle this one, huh, buckaroo? <laughs> I, I, I think God you know, allowed thing to enter in. And um, I think, again, that's where hope comes into play because I have hope of a better home. I have hope in this man named Jesus who is the only way I could get to that place. I have hope that my daughter will be healed, whether it's 
if it's on earth or in heaven, that's up to him to decide. But I know that I'm hopeful one day she will be healed. Yeah, man. It's such a refreshing perspective on, on this. Cause man, I'm sure that it, this can be a, a tempting situation to, to man, literally to where the wheels can just come off. Uh, how are you hoping that through this book that people are going to relate to your journey in this, in this, uh, trying time? Well, I think people just in general relate way more to your pain than your power. Mm. So they can just, they can kind of, you know, your success isn't as relatable as, as what you're suffering through. And it just kind of reminds people of their own struggle. It reminds people of their own pain. And I think it, it inspires people. You know, uh, I think if there's anything, why we, 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 we did the project was not to say, you know, look at, look at us, but hopefully they're inspired in the real hope. The hope is not in my wife and I, what we can do and our, you know, power to overcome the hope is in this man named Jesus that is, is the peace, is the joy, is the strength. And so hopefully we didn't write a book about our story. Uh, we wrote, we wrote a, a, a story, but really it was our message. Our message is hope and our message is Jesus. Wow. Wow. Man, you just ha- seem to have such a incredible perspective on all of this here. And it, what what are some some words of encouragement? What are some ways that we can remain hopeful in situations, whether it's like the one you're facing with your daughter, or like you said, just that there's so many other things that happen to people in life. What are ways we can remain hopeful in these situations? Yeah, well, I think you know if we put our all of our hope in ourselves, our human strength all of our hope in medicine or doctors alone, I think we're going to be really disappointed. If you put all of your hope in the results of what you're hoping for, you're going to get really disappointed. But the Bible talks about a hope that does not disappoint. And the hope that doesn't disappoint is God. God won't disappoint you. And even as hope deferred makes the hope, makes the heart sick, in the same chapter in Proverbs it says that hope realized is sweet to the soul. I hope that you realize you can put your hope in God. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never let you down. He'll never abandon you while you're in the storm. And he will actually do for you what you can't do for yourself. You can put your hope in God. Wow. That's really good. Um, What is it, kind of ultimate goal from this book, what is it that you're hoping that the readers are going to take away? Yeah, again, like that, the, the, the genuine pure motive of the book is that people are pointed to Jesus, and they'll take away who he is from the book, not who we are from the book. That's the goal. Man, that's awesome. Uh, I, I've heard a story that uh, the the G tattoo was kind of born yeah. from all of that. If you don't mind, fill us in on kind of what happened there. Yeah, so, you know, crazy experience. One of my buddies uh, loves Georgia, and he, he came to me at this idea. He said, hey, tomorrow I'm going to go get a G tattoo, you know, so that every time I look down at this G, it's going to remind me to pray for you, pray for your family. just want to get this so you know you're not alone. And I'm like, bro, if you're getting a G tattoo for my daughter, I'm definitely getting one too. <laughs> and so we went and we got this tattoo. We, we posted it, and we just put a hashtag G tat. We never thought anything of it. And people just started to get these tattoos left and right, just all over the place. And it's been a wild, crazy experience where people all over the world are getting them. We had this party last week to kind of celebrate the book and had a tattoo artist come out and 30 people at the, ta- at the party got a G-tat. 
Wow. I think it's over a hundred and something people that have it now, but it's just so it's a wild, crazy thing. I think it just speaks to humanity that people want to rally around you when you're going through something. They want to stand with you when you're in pain. And it's not just for Georgia, but I think a lot of people are going like, I'm getting the GTAC. My, I got an aunt that's sick. It's reminding me to pray for her. So it's, it's bigger than this little girl. It's, it's wow. symbolic of God, grace, the whole movement. Man, that's awesome. And I, I think I heard, last I heard, Justin Bieber just got this tattoo. Yeah, Justin, you know, so sweet. He's so kind. When he went out and got it, you know, a bunch of his security guards got it. His assistant got it. One of our buddies got it. So it was like six of them that got it together. And oh, my gosh. It's, it's just, just unbelievable. Man, that's awesome. The it's it's so cool to see something like this. That and I would even ask this question: Did you imagine all of this when you wrote the book? Not at all. Never. Never in a million years did I imagine it. So for all these other people to be joining in and help spread this message of hope, uh, man, that is incredible. So so cool. Uh, yeah. One, one of the things I love uh, that you talk about in the book is that the mo- in the most hopeless moments are when we can learn the most about. God. Why, why do you believe that? Well, I just think, you know, it, it, sometimes it's hard for us to hear, hear, hear from, from heaven when we have so much success. It's hard to, to be open and teachable when, you know, you're doing so well, but for some reason your ears get really open when you're at rock bottom. You just start to reach for answers and reach for God. And I just think there's something about, there's something about the valley. You know, I would say there's things you learn on the mountaintop you can't learn in the valley, but there's things you learn in the valley you can't learn in the mountaintop. I think mm. God teaches you no matter where you are, but there's just certain things that you can learn in the valley you can't learn when you're on the mountaintop. Man. Man, you're just dropping gold today. This is incredible. <laughs> uh, has this been a, a going through this experience, you seem to just have such a positive outlook on this whole thing, and so I feel like I already know the answer to this next question, but... Has this been trying on your patience at all? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm not a patient person whatsoever, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it really just, it tests your patience. It tests your, um, your faith. It tests, tests your character. It tests all of that. So yeah, I mean, times when I feel like, oh, we got this, I can be patient. There's times I'm like, I want to change things right now, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, I just, I think that's for everybody. We're all going through something. I always say, you know, pain is relative, but Jesus is a reality. He's a reality for all of us, no matter what we're going through. So it doesn't matter. You know, my situation's not worse than yours. It's just my situation's mine and your situation is yours. But Jesus is a reality in whatever we're going through. Have you ever felt like just giving up in this situation? You know, I can't. I can't really say that I felt like giving up. Um, to be honest, I, I, I haven't really felt like quitting per se. I felt like you know getting angry and getting <laughs> upset and you know throwing things. <laughs> but um, but no, I haven't. I haven't felt like uh, quitting. I, I feel like you know the temptation of quitting is just such so deceptive because it's all it's always too early to quit. Mm. And then, really, just to kind of follow up here, it's 2011. Uh, how, how's Georgia, or 2016 now? I'll get the time right one of these days. Uh, how's How's Georgia doing now? Yeah, she's doing good. She's, you know, there's certain days she's flourishing and doing awesome. Other days that she's she's, um, you know, going through a hard time. A few days ago, she was she was having a lot of seizures, but 
you know, yesterday she bounced back strong. And she's just, she's just so resilient. So it's amazing to see, you know, not just so many people pray for her, but it's amazing to see her fight and her, you know, overcome things. She, she's a warrior. Man, that's awesome. Uh, Chad, if anybody wants to pick up the book, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, you could jump on the Amazon. That's a great option. Or just get on our website, unreasonablehope.org, and you can jump on there and, and find out more about what we're doing. Folks, make sure to go pick up a book uh, today, Unreasonable Hope by Chad Veach. Uh, just an amazing, amazing message of hope uh, in times of uncertainty. Chad, I can't thank you enough for giving up your time today and for joining us. Uh, sure appreciate you sharing today, man. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, uh, we would ask that you would share, subscribe, and review, Jared, because this gets us in front of more people, yep. as we said earlier in the episode. Uh, and a lot of times I'll download podcasts uh, on their own without subscribing, and then I miss out on all the amazing content. So you got to hit that subscribe button, and you will get an episode every time we release one, which is... Uh, twice a month, the first and third win- uh, Monday of every month. There you go. Uh, the first and third Monday of every month, we release new episodes. And uh, if you're liking it, we believe your friends are going to like it. Uh, and so if you don't mind, give it a share. You can click that those three little dots on iTunes and, and just share it straight to Twitter, Facebook, or really anywhere for that matter. Um, and folks, we just really appreciate you listening. Uh, and this is Jared Hogue and Roman Johnson signing off. See you later. See you later.